Hi and welcome to the CarMed Rebels podcast. I'm Jenny Field. I'm Advita Patel. I'm Trudy Lewis. Hi and welcome to our weekly news section this week. Today I want to talk about an article that was in the Daily Mail for my sins uh, at the weekend (laughs) that I was reading and I shared it with Advita and Trudy when I saw it and it's actually an article that I've also been discussing with some of my family members and the headline of the article was Gen Z workers are terrifying millennial bosses with woke demands. I mean, is there a better Daily Mail headline than this? It then says, junior at Vibrator Startup called boss on weekend to demand BLM support while others assign tasks to their bosses and demand PTO for anxiety. Now, it then goes on to just define the generation. So if you're born between 1997 and 2012, that's the 72 million members of society that are Generation Z, and they are beginning to enter the workforce and cause confusion for their older bosses. And I just thought... What an interesting article about generations in the workplace, as it's a topic that we so often talk about between the three of us. And I've done papers on this for my diploma, but it's often a topic that comes up. So I just wanted to get your take on it, really, as it seems very topical. And like I said, I've been shared in some of my family WhatsApp groups as well. So I'm going to ask Trudy first because you can't see her, but she's just really chuckling on the screen in front of me. (laughs) So I'm going to ask Trudy first. Okay, I just think of so many things fly through my mind when I'm thinking of this because then I remember things like Simon Sinek talking about the generations and you know I think about my own thoughts and we had a chat at some point about this as well as we talk about new ways of working and hybrid working and so part of me wants to be a bit antagonistic and say are these demands unreasonable? <laughs> um, or, you know, do we who are perhaps older need to get a little bit more familiar with what people of other generations are going to be asking? Because in the, to a certain extent, if younger people are working with us, we too will come with different approaches to work that they might not or never accept. So it's a kind of like a massive amount of compromise that we all have to do a learning curve that we all have to come around, not just on the Gen Zers, but on how a Gen Zer relates to an older person, which is why some companies are doing things like reverse mentoring and, you know, all sorts of things like that. So I think it's more a case of, yes, the demands might be unreasonable. I have a nephew who's 30, so he is actually in that age group, I think. And so he, I constantly have this argument because of, the things that he gets very upset about about work and I'm like get over it <laughs> you know <laughs> when I was love. when I was your age you know I had to deal with such and such and such and I don't necessarily think that's fair of me to do that because in reality he's his experience obviously is going to be very different from mine and his expectations are different from mine I can't impose what my experience was on him so I think mm. That's why it's difficult. I think there's also something, and one of the conversations I had this week was kind of whose discomfort is okay in any of these things. So is it okay that I'm uncomfortable or is it okay that you're uncomfortable? And is there a, well, it's it's better if you're uncomfortable. So there's something in that for me around someone's going to be uncomfortable. Like you said, there's compromise here and there is no one that's that that deserves to be more uncomfortable than someone else, but it's about Mm. learning and compromise. What about you, Advita? I think it's really refreshing. I love it. I think it's brilliant. And I think... Of course you do. Of course I do. Of course I think it is. No, because this is life. Like, I I love the bravado, the boldness of, you know, the Gen Zs out there to kind of say, do you know what? I'm not in a good place today and I can't come into work. And the fact that they are owning that, the only kind of, I suppose, the challenge, and I can see why millennials and older generation will be a bit frightened about that is like oh god you know we we still have this kind of sense of being visible to deliver work which is why we always have this ridiculous conversation around around hybrid which technically isn't hybrid all different conversation there but as long as the person is delivering against their objectives and doing good work does it really matter but this is where I think it gets tricky. So if someone then phones up their boss and says, do you know what? I'm just not feeling it today. My anxiety is through the roof, so I'm not coming in. 
Yeah, I'm really trying not to do this and laugh, which is really unkind. Sorry, and I am if someone, laughing. If someone was feeling that way, <laughs> because then the then the work is impacted, right? That person will have had stuff that they were going to have to do that day, and they and they haven't done it. And I think there is a nervousness or an uncomfortableness around kind of addressing that and saying, well, the kind of that's not okay. Like I need you in because you need to do this, this, and this. I don't know how we solve this, but it's that kind of delicate, it's almost that delicate or that wokeness, which I have in quote marks for those that can't see us, that I understand the frustration from the boss's perspective of, but you do have work to deliver. And how do you then how do you then manage that? Well, you put the onus back on them in essence. So you know, yeah. somebody calls in and says, you know what, I'm not feeling it today. And that is okay, right? If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. And I would say, I'd rather you take that time and recover and be well and then come in where you can give 100% rather than coming in and not being 100% and struggling, mm-hmm. right? That, that's one thing for me. As we we struggle, I have to say, we seem to have this whole, you know, everybody knows I've got a problem with hierarchy. Everybody knows that, yes, right? Do, I have yeah. a problem with hierarchy. I think as soon as, if we have to have a partnership in organisations to an extent where we say, okay, look, I completely understand. However, we have a deadline to hit by this date. You had a couple of deliverables to do. What can we do to make sure that you get that, get to that, you know, on this deadline? And are you able to tell me you can achieve that or not? Because that is important for me to know that. Yeah. Do you need more time or do you, is it something that we can work together and delegate someone else? Because this is really important for the work that we're doing and have that adult conversation with them. Yeah, there's definitely something about boundaries and things. When I was looking at it and the CEOs were saying they were messaging me at weekends, like, it's about having that conversation of, you know, thanks for getting in touch. I'm actually out with my family at the moment, but I'll pick this up, you know, on Monday, if that's how you work, you know, that's, that's a fair conversation to have. I think the thing I come back to is Mel Robbins, which we've touched on a few times in her book, The Five Second Rule. And there is a great YouTube clip from her where she says, you know, no one's coming. No one's coming to write the business plan for you. No one's coming to lift those weights for you. No one's coming. No one's coming. Like you have to do the work to get the goals you want to get to. And so there is a difference to me. And we've talked about this and we've talked about mental resilience and other things of I'm just not feeling it today versus, you know, being diagnosed with something like anxiety or being diagnosed with depression or any of the other things you might be experiencing. There are lots of days where people don't feel it. I don't really ever feel like going to the gym. I don't ever really get up and think, oh, how great. I can't wait to go spinning this morning. But I want to go because I have to hit my goals, which is why we use the 54321 and, and those techniques to help us do those things. But there is something about that none of us ever really feel like doing the things that we need to do in order to kind of keep going. And I suppose that's the thing I think is hard for bosses to know when someone is saying, I've been diagnosed and this is where I'm at, versus I just can't be bothered. But maybe it's that thing for them that they're just being really open and honest about where they are in themselves. And so as a result, they know that, you know, I'm not going to be my best at work. I'm not going to be at work today because such and such is happening. I think, although frustrating, I think maybe it's also about how perhaps the older or the leadership level of the workplace needs to change a little bit and how we need to be a bit more, you know, if we're saying to people, we want you to be engaged, we want you to enjoy the experience of work. Maybe it's not just an excuse saying, do you know, what? I can't be bothered today. Maybe it's a genuine thing that's aligned to I'm not going to be my best today. So as a result, I'm I'm having this challenge. That said, I, th- I think there is something about boundaries and having some of these conversations up front so people know where they stand. So, you know, I know that if I rock up and say, do you know, what? I ju- I'm just not feeling it today, that I then have to do something extra to get my work finished mm-hmm. and that understanding can't be done in the moment because it's awkward it needs to be done up front so, so that's the understanding that you know yeah. by all means have these kind of challenges wobblies whatever they are however you know this is the expectation we expect that you deliver and, and you're right Trudy is about that mutual understanding and I think mm. If, you, if we all think about we've all done this ourselves or we've got people in our teams that have done this before how many times have we been sat there where somebody's just not in a good place? Like, well, for whatever reason, right? Something's happened. There's been a distraction. They're not focusing. They're actually not productive at all being in the office. In fact, they're a distraction. Yeah. They're yeah. a distraction. I used to think to myself, like, if they, 
if they could just say, or if the boss could, or the manager, whoever say, you know what, you don't see yourself today, you're not feeling it. How about you go home, rest up, and then come back in tomorrow and let's have a conversation. And I think if we did more of that, more of those vulnerable conversations, honest conversations, I genuinely think that people would struggle less with that feeling of anxiety and mental health that we often do come across, right? Because the pressure on being everything to everyone can play a big part. But if you can be honest with your boss and say, do you know what? I'm not feeling it today. I'm really not for whatever reason. I I know I've got some deliverables. I will own that and I'll make sure that I still hit that deadline. But today I just need to take time away. I think you're right. I think it's it's having those conversations. And I know I'm being slightly flippant on here to have the conversation and spark the debate. And that's a lot of kind of what we do. But I think there's got to be more human conversations. I am okay with hierarchy, but I also support the fact that people can ask people to do anything. We're all human beings. And I think that's important for us to acknowledge as well. This is a whole episode probably in itself that we could talk about. But um <laughs> That's enough of the news today. Otherwise, we're going to go down a rabbit hole of Gen Z's, millennials and and bosses. (laughs) Um, But the episode you've got today is intriguingly called How Not to Be Weird When You're Networking. And, uh, And this is a topic that came up on the back of one of our listeners, actually. They asked us to cover the topic of networking, why it's important. And through the conversation as it evolves, as it always does, it turned into How Not to Be Weird. So we hope you enjoy it. As always, find us across our socials and get in touch and let us know what you think. If you want to find out more about how you can work with us, you can visit our website, which is calmedgedrebels.com. Here you can find out more about each of us individually, and it will also give you links to our own websites, which are colinear.co for Trudy, commsrebel.com for Advita, and Redefining Comms for me, Jenny. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at calmedgedrebels, and you can also follow us individually on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So if you do want to work with us around communications, consulting, coaching or workshops, please do get in touch. Welcome to this episode of Calm Edged Rebels. Today, we're going to be talking about networking. Now, this is a topic that is something that comes up for a lot of us a lot of the time. We do love a networking event online or in person. But it's also something that when we've talked to people that listen to our podcast have said, can you talk about the power of networking, how it helps, how to do it inside and outside organizations, and just understand a bit more about why that's important. Interestingly for me, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it was that it came up when I was recently doing a workshop for my own learning around diversity and inclusion. And there was a question in there around networking. And it was specifically around the ability to get a job. So if you were going for a new job or if you were applying for a job, if it's through your network that you find out about that job and that you get the interview, is that okay? Is that not okay? And it was that kind of fine line between the privilege that can come from your network, but also making sure processes were fair and transparent. So it was an interesting topic that came up in that training, because as someone that networks a lot and will hear about jobs a lot, I'm also very mindful of making sure that things are open and accessible to everybody. So what I want to do is kick us off today, as I know both of you love a good networking event, and it's how we met, in fact, was through our work at CIPR and and volunteering there and networking at things. But I think there's a couple of questions to sort of get us started for people that are listening that might not know how to get started. But there's two sides to this. There's networking outside of your organisation, networking inside your organisation. But I suppose my first question is, how do you get started if you're not someone that has ever done any kind of networking or been to any event or done anything online or in person How do you get started in that? Because I think that's the first step that I think is possibly the most daunting. Now, I should pick on one of you because when either of you two lead, you always pick on me to go first. (laughs) So so now I feel like I've got the power and I'm going to go to Advita first. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Only because she looks super keen on the screen. (laughs) 
I was just a little bit of a disclaimer. There is a bit of noise in the background here because those council have decided to mow the back of the road. So apologies if there is a little bit of sound in the background. But yeah, no, networking is something that's really important to me, you know, and it's one of the things that I have paid I've been very intentional about, to be honest with you, over the last few years of my kind of career. Well, longer than the last few years, actually, because it is, you know, being up in Manchester in particular, there wasn't much going on in terms of folks getting together and connection. And this is pre like virtual became a thing. Right. So when people used to get together. So I knew that if, in order for me to connect with others and to understand what's going on in the industry and to also learn from other people, I had to come out my comfort zone a little bit more and travel and travel outside of Manchester, to be honest with you. There were a few bits, but not many things. Somebody did say to me, well, why don't you start something? But I was at that point in my career. Is, it, is that the solution to everything? I'd be to just you start something. Yeah, you That'd set it great. up. <laughs> I mean, now, nowadays I probably, probably would, which is where the comms high started from, to be honest. But at the time, I didn't have the confidence, to be honest with you, to do something on my own. I was just like, well, what? what on earth can I possibly do? So I actually did track down to London, actually, for the first one. I've spoken about this before, which is a CIPR AGM. And for me, the CIPR was definitely a starting point for my networking journey, should we call it? I hate that word, yeah. but you know what I mean? Because that's what opened up the doors for folks that I probably never would have met if I stayed within my own region. And it allowed me to kind of find out what other stuff was going on. And plus, you know, the professional institutions do put on some good events. And, you know, granted, they become another debate about where they're held, but they do do some good <laughs> events, right? So going along to some of those events in person and meeting what's going on. And I do think, you know, when you become more senior in the work that you do, even though it's not fair, even though it's not right, even though we need to kind of stop doing these kind of things, people do like recommendations. Like how many times the three of us have been mm. approached to say, oh, I need someone to kind of hit the ground running. Do you know someone that can do X, Y, and yeah. Z? Can you recommend somebody? It shouldn't be the case. You know, people should be able to be, you know, but that's just the way the world is at the moment. And I think we have to do everything we can to raise our visibility and, and be out there. And that's another reason I kind of push myself to kind of go to these networking events as well. So yeah, it's been very important to me and it has definitely contributed to my career. Mm. And it's interesting that you're saying like for your first step, it was that kind of going out of your comfort zone. What about you, Trude? What what, what have you yeah. done? I've never found it hard to network. You're and a demon. I've just because, remembered. Because I just I just love talking to people. So I, I don't have that kind of, oh, I can't start a conversation with somebody who I've never met before. I'll just meet, to, I'll talk to anybody. So I think from that perspective, I'm a little unafraid of it however if I am going into a new environment it can be a bit daunting but I will actively look for opportunities to network with people and I would encourage people to do that it is difficult and if you are in that position of I'm not really a natural networker it really comes down to what's important. Is it really, is it important for you to be networking at this stage? And if so, who do I need to network with? And is it internally or is it externally or is it within the industry or so on and so on and so on? And I think if you don't have a real reason, that's what makes it harder. So if it's hard, if, if you're just doing it for the sake of it, because people say, oh, you should network, it's hard for you to get connected in to a group of people, especially if that's not how you naturally are. Saying that, if if you do have a reason and you're intentional, I think Advita said that word intention, and that is a big part of it. If you really need to do it because of building your career, building a profile, then having a bit of intention is really important and seeking out the relevant places for you to go to and start small, you know, go to things that are a little bit easier. You don't want to go to something that's massive where you absolutely don't know anybody. Go with a friend. You know, little things like that actually make it a little bit easier. But it's important to go to things that you're really interested in or else it can be quite painful. So for the kind of the perspective of going to a networking event, I, that's where I'd start, kind of start small, go to something that's easy uh, and something you really, really love. Do you think it's easier doing them in person than it is doing them online? I'm just thinking about things I've been to recently that have been new spaces for me to step into, which I don't do very often. But I attended an online workshop and there were sort of breakout sessions and I, I didn't know anybody there. And I was very mindful of my role in that breakout session because obviously I can take over. 
<laughs> quite self-aware and I could so I was deliberately sort of holding myself back so that I wasn't taking over that space and that was quite an interesting it was quite interesting for me pushing myself into an environment where I didn't know anyone because I haven't done that for a while but I did certainly feel that that was online and I definitely found that more challenging to feel like there were relationships or connections there versus an in-person event that I went to a few weeks ago where I made loads of connections, met loads of people, linked in with people, and it felt much easier. Do you feel this? I mean, either one of you, do you feel there's a difference between that online and in person when it comes to networking? Yeah, yeah. there's a huge difference. It's how easy it is for you to get into a conversation when you can actually see the person in front of you in opposed to on a screen. And a lot of the times we're distracted when we're on, on screen as well. Yeah, it, it's just not the same thing. It's very different. And I think, you know, people aren't as self-aware as you, Jenny, (laughs) that you can dominate the conversation. And if you are a slightly quieter or a a reflector or just, you know, nervous, whatever, it can be hard for you to kind of engage and uh, interact on online. And you need a really good chair or a facilitator in that room to bring you into the conversation. Whereas in person, you know, there's always a natural pause. I would say where you can normally interject or people with, you know, your body language kind of gives a lot away as well. So people are like, Oh, I need to kind of bring her in into this chat. And you feel it's a bit more personally. And in my opinion, it's much easier to kind of add. It doesn't feel as intrusive when you interrupt a little bit as well in, in person, whereas online, you know, it's a bit difficult when you've got a few people talking over each other. Right. And it can be for your senses. It can be a little bit, overwhelming so you end up not saying anything because you don't want it you want to be polite Mm. uh, and don't want to kind of interrupt so I do think online also on the other flip side of online and virtual is I know that it's also helped people come out of their shell a bit more so those people who you know feel completely daunted by walking into a room where they don't know anyone in your own environment and in your own space online it feels much safer to do so And, you know, for whatever reason, I know what it's, you know, I'm talking from personal experience, being a a brown woman working in comms and being normally one of very few faces in a room, you do have to gear yourself up, right, to walk in. You just have to because, you know, you're going to be the kind of odd one out. And that's the way I look at it. No, no one may. I mean, most folks probably don't notice that you're the odd one out, but you notice. So you need to be a little bit more kind of, you know, give yourself that gear yourself up. But online is if you do feel more comfortable because you are with in your own office or room or dining room kitchen wherever you're in your own space generally so you know you can just switch off right you can just if if it's really uncomfortable for you you can like press that little x in the corner and go whereas when you're in person you're making a bit of a deal about aren't you like i'll get grab it because i've done this (laughs) grabbing (laughs) your bag dropping your notebook you know you can't can't you can't kind of sneak out you know quietly and people like is everything okay are you okay are you all right and you just don't want to, you want to have that conversation about how you feel. So you just kind of, it's a bit embarrassing. So you either put up with it and just get through the day or don't come back after lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what about networking inside organisations? I've always been quite a big fan of yeah. building those relationships and networking inside organisations. And I always used to talk about when I worked in a, in a building that had sort of five floors, I would kind of walk the floor probably twice a week without any, without any intention but making sure that I was visible. So I would just literally, you know, work my way down round. I chat to, you know, some of the people that I knew and because it would allow me to be seen and it would allow people to sort of go, oh, Jenny, I actually, I need to ask you, you know, where's this or can we talk about that? Or have you got five minutes? And I'd sort of build in that sort of half an hour's time to do that. And that was really important to me to help me stay visible and not just sit at my desk on the fifth floor, you know, all day, every day, all week which obviously people aren't doing so much now, but <laughs> again, that networking internally, that was, I found that quite helpful. And I'd, I'd go to certain events or some events that I wouldn't do internally. But again, that's, I think, more challenging now in a hybrid world or a more online world. But in terms of that importance of internal networking, how important do you feel that is? Gosh, <laughs> hugely important. Working in comms, it's just been amazing how much you know that you just described working going walking the floors and I remember doing exactly the same thing and for me a lot of the time it was I need to get to know the people that I need to write about that I need to feature that I need to work with in comms so 
they're doing their little bit within the organization. I need to not necessarily expect them to come to me, but I need to go to them and I need to actually get to know what they do and how they do it. So it was a hugely important thing to do that kind of floor walking. If anybody had five minutes, I'd run upstairs and go and see somebody and literally build these relationships and go a little bit beyond that, actually, where where you're actually then saying, if there's something that you remember that the person liked or was interested in, you then send them an article or you send them a link to something and say, oh, we had a conversation about this the other day. I need to send you this so that you can get more information about it. You don't know that unless you start walking around and talking to people. And I can only imagine how hard that now becomes when, you know, you're not in the physical office, you're you're online. And One of the things that is a great idea is actually to email people or make little mini appointments with people in the same way. And I've I've even told people, you know, have a look at the org chart, especially if they're new, you know, look at the people that you probably need to meet or that you'd like to meet within the organization and, and find excuses to talk to them because when it's online, it's very different. It's almost by appointment only. Whereas Mm before it's like you just walk rock up to people and another thing that gives you a reason to do it is you know when you're in the organization and you you need to know about a specific thing the person who's very involved in that so supposing it's a re- an engineering related thing you actually go to that engineer and say can I get some time with you could we have a little quick chat about this and make sure that it's informal and that you want to just get to know what they're on, what they do and what they, how they get involved in the work that they do, because you, you really need that information. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, again, that means that you're going to have to be a little bit assertive. It means that you're going to have to put yourself out there a bit, but it's, it's worth it because at the end of the day, you might have a fantastic conversation that gives you all that information and you learn something totally new. Plus you might get an ally, a a, a connection that's an advocate of yours or who can work with you a little bit better. So, so it's, it's one of those things that I really, really encourage people to do all the time. As you were talking then, as you were talking about that, being kind of helpful like you know I know we talked about this and here's a link it made me think yeah. about the, the three things that I often talk about when I'm teaching people about the importance of communication mm. and it's the three things about being a credible communicator of goodwill honesty and integrity that one that one that's important um so trustworthiness goodwill trustworthiness and expertise and they're kind of the three and that goodwill I think is something that goes a a really long way when you're trying to build relationships with people which is what networking is right you're just trying to build those relationships and that goodwill is just so important how have you found networking inside organizations I'm actually I'm quite method method I can never say that (laughs) <laughs> it's not a Carmesh Rebels episode if it's Vita Carl. Yep. Methodical? Methodical. Methodical. Methodical in my approach, actually, because I do when you work for a large organization, you have, you know, and you're normally one of very few team, you know, comms team, you do have to be quite specific about what you need to get and what you need. So I used to actually keep a little uh, spreadsheet with like a bit of a stakeholder map, to be honest, to kind of say, right, who do I need to kind of win over? Who and I and it's so it's a bit geek and a bit sad of me, but I used to do a little rag score, red, amber, and green. Do they like me? Do they not like me? Do I need to win them over? Wow. I mean, if any of my directors are listening to this right now, yes, I did this. And yes, if you felt like I was spending a lot of time with you, it's because you were in my Amber Zone. <laughs> but I, I never like shared that. this. That's good. Yeah, That's I never cute. really shared this with anybody in-house, actually, but I did keep a little little log at the back of like not back but on the on my spreadsheet and um because you know when you work for a large organization there are so many names and so many people it can be really difficult to know where to focus your energies and attention to and we say don't we make sure you walk the floor make sure you go and do this make sure you go and do that but when you are like on your own or you've got like one or two people and you've got a lot of a big list like most of us do you know to get Mm. through whatever networking you're doing you want to make sure it's adding value to the work that you're doing so I was I was quite specific so one of the organizations I worked in was very union heavy and I knew that I'd have to win a few of the union folks over because I didn't want them to kind of you know I want I wanted them to kind of respect me in the room you know we, we all we've all had conversations haven't we where you're kind of seen as an enemy at times when especially when they tag you with HR so I really wanted to win their trust. And like what you just said, the three things, you know, trustworthiness. So it was really important for me to win that trust with them. So 
I did spend a bit of energy when we had a, a, a bit of a restructure coming up. I knew the unions were going to be heavily involved and I kind of preempted that and went and spent a bit of time with them to find out what was on their worry list and what we needed and just to kind of have that relationship. So there'll be different times where you have to amp up your network into different groups, depending on what you need in that time. When I was looking at my career and looking at moving forward, I knew I needed sponsors in the business and I knew I needed people to speak about me when I'm not in that room. So I went and intentionally spent a lot of time with the HR directors, just to make sure that they knew who I was. And then, you know, taking, stepping away from that little bit, also about visibility, you know, and I used to wear, um, and I really thought about what I wore, to be honest, in the office, I had like office wear and stuff like that. But then one day I wore like a really bright pink jacket, I think it was, I bought it from Marks, <laughs> just throwing it out there. I don't even get a hold of it now. We won't, we won't put it Product in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> we won't put it in the show notes. <laughs> It's not this sponsored by Marks, by the way. This episode is brought to you by Adidas Wardrobe. <laughs> well, in case Marks is listening, feel free to sponsor our outfit. Uh, but yeah, but I remember going and uh, buying. I needed a new work wardrobe, I think, and I just bought. And all my jack, all my kind of clothing in the in the organisation was quite dark, because not because you know black is slimming, obviously, but only and not because of that reason, but also because I I spill, I literally spill a lot of stuff on myself and it's ridiculous at this age um <laughs> so I just wore darker colors because it's easy to clean that's literally I've given away all my you secrets are. today I honestly. mean you'll never see me in a white shirt because I also live in the land of spill so maybe no, I, I don't land wear white together. because of that yeah I can't yeah. people yeah. that wear white shirts on planes when they go abroad terrify me I am anxious on their behalf like, yeah me too like no. I honestly I I admire those people yeah. that wear those crisp white shirts yeah. I'm like oh my goodness no literally possibly. three seconds on me I've got something on there yeah uh anyway so I went and wore, <laughs> I went <laughs> digress uh, I wore a bright pink jacket and on that day I had so many comments and people going oh there you were oh Peter that's amazing you know and I thought hang on a minute what if I I started wearing bright jackets like had that as my thing and I was doing a lot of research in personal brand at that time so I started to wear bright jackets in the office like pinks and greens and purples and that became my thing a little mm. bit you know like people like oh there she is I can see it. oh hi oh there you went Vita like come in a quick chat mm. and it was a it was such a subtle shift but such a big impact and I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous but do you think about not only in terms of being intentional and making sure you're speaking to the right people but also, how are you being noticed? It doesn't necessarily have to be clothing. It worked for me at that time. But also, what contributions are you making in that meeting? So, you know, m- one of my bosses said to me after some feedback, like, you know, if you're not saying anything in those first 10 minutes in that meeting, like, first of all, question why you're not saying anything in the first 10 minutes, whether you should be in that room or not. And second, you need to say something in those first 10 minutes just to kind of establish your ground, right? Because it can be really hard in a room you can go I'm sure we've all been there where you've been in a room and you've probably said about three words and you're a bit like mm. oh I really need to make a bit of an impact here and, and recognize you know so people know who I am and to Trudy's point that goodwill piece is really important I did that I had a very challenging relationship with an MD it wasn't like a terrible thing but it was like I wasn't really invited to you know wasn't really invited in the room I was an afterthought it was a bit dismissive of some of the stuff I was saying and I felt really uncomfortable in it and I just thought I need to do something I need to win their trust over here and um, so I did, do, I did what Trudy did and I listened to what they were sharing in the town halls and stuff. And I started sending them articles of things that I thought that one might, you know, they might find interesting. So the first couple, I didn't really get a response, but then I sent like the third one and then they responded and it was like a Friday evening. I remember checking my Blackberry from Blackberry's with thing. And uh, not that I should have been checking out of work, but you, you, do, you do these things. And I had this really nice email from them to say, I really appreciate the time you've taken to send me these things. I, you know, I, I acknowledge that some of this stuff has been really useful for me. So thank you so much. And mm. how about you come along to the leadership team meeting on Wednesday and give us an update on what's going on with the engagement plans for the division? I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> like it just, and then from that point on, they recognized me as someone who could, con- you know, like they invited me to the room. They wanted me to send them an update every week about what's going on. I, whatever I needed, I just went to them and they were like, yep, just get it sorted and literally the note went out from them to their PA and others and the exec team to say it's a yes like I can see the work that they're doing and the contributions that Vita's making and all that because I sent them three links to various different articles so it makes a difference it makes a huge difference it really does 
And I think that's it's it. You you can't underestimate some of those little things that you're doing. And and for people that maybe feel like networking is a bit scary or it's not for them, you know, you've both shared examples where you've just sent an email with a couple of links and that and that was enough to start to build yeah. a relationship to network. And that's such a a big part of it. And as you were talking about your jacket and stuff, I've I've scribbled a note to put in the show notes about our personal brand episode that we did back in season one I think because we talk quite a lot about doing that but I used to think about colors as well I remember when I was going to present at the board or doing anything I'd often be in blue so that it was a more kind of neutral color I would never wear red because I was you know pretty feisty as it was so putting a red color (laughs) was always a bit tricky Uh, and I've learned that you know even now if I've got a red jumpsuit that I sometimes wear and and if I've got that on and I'm you know sort of really making a point it can feel really loaded which is not always my my intention so I think there is something to think about some of those things not to make it more complex but I think we do judge each other very quickly that's the nature of being human beings and I think being able to you want to go to a networking event where you feel comfortable and if you feel yeah. comfortable then that will make a huge difference to the relationships that, that you exactly. can build and, and all of those kind of things yeah and 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 I I just think of the you know how clothes make you feel I know we're not talking about clothes today but we are that's another episode <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, and Vita started it exactly she started it but for me it's that thing of the type of things that you wear that make you feel comfortable make you feel confident and so on and all of those things add to giving you the strength and power to go out there and network and talk to people because if I'm looking dowdy or or wearing the wrong outfit even that can stop me from talking to people because I might think do you know what I don't feel as confident or together as I normally would feel so I don't feel like I can talk to somebody today Mm. so even that contributes to how you come across to people so yeah how much you want to as you were saying that I was just thinking about you know like on a Sunday afternoon if I pop to the shops down the road for me and I'm in you know no makeup hair's tied up (laughs) and I'm a bit like I don't want to see anyone that I know so I've just got my head down because I don't want to talk to anyone because I'm just not in that not in that space and I think that's that's similar isn't it you've got to yeah. yeah you've got to be in that right right sort of frame of mind so we always finish on on top tips and I think there's quite a few in here that I want to give us enough time to talk about that because one of the tips I think we need to bring in, so a tip around networking internally, a tip around networking externally, and then your best tip for networking virtually, given the last year that we've had, like what would your your advice be around those? Because I think there's also something around where to go to find the places to network. And if I think about someone I know who's currently studying for their CIPD to move into an HR profession, it's really interesting that that's the start of their journey into HR. And I know them, they're married to one of my best friends. And I was thinking, and I said to them the other day, oh, you know, there's a really great event next year that my friend Advisa's running as a conference in uh, Manchester. Oh, yeah. With an amazing keynote speaker. And I just thought this is a perfect opportunity because they wouldn't know about that event because it's not their world. So I'm really happy to take them to that event so that I can introduce them to lots of different people. But it's knowing those things exist. And that's having a, a network around you, I suppose, where you're happy to talk about what you're doing. And I say this to people that are setting up their own businesses or becoming consultants. Always talk about what you're doing because you never know who is in the room and you never know who you're talking to. And I think even if you're at a family event or you're at, uh, you know, a friend's, you know, Hindu where you don't know anybody or a stag do or whatever it might be, people will always ask you what you do. So never be shy and kind of talking about some of those things because you just don't know who's there who might say, oh, I know so-and-so and they're doing this and this would be a great thing to do. My friend who set up her own business as a virtual assistant mentioned it to a woman at the checkout in a supermarket. And that woman said, oh, actually, I've got a side business doing something and I could really use some help. You know, she's kind of doing business at a checkout in a supermarket. <laughs> because the more we talk about the stuff, that's a form of networking in itself. And I think sometimes yeah. we can hold that back. So always kind of go for that so now I've chatted a bit hopefully that's given you both enough time (laughs) to think about your tips who wants to go who wants to go first I'll go actually I wasn't really even thinking about my tips I was thinking about the great advice you just shared there Jenny I know it's really good (laughs) uh, check out check out thing I don't because I am like outside of my believe it or not outside of my kind of work thing I am like you know 
head down, don't talk to anyone. Like on holiday, like I yeah. am not one to talk to anyone on holiday. I'm the worst. It's really, it's not great actually. But it's, you do need those downtimes, don't get me wrong. But yes. you have made me kind of think about actually, it is really important to share what you do and not be embarrassed. Because, you know, the number of people who have said, that I've spoken to personally, I've said, oh, my job's really boring. I won't bore you with it. Like, I won't bore you with it. It's, it's, it's not that exciting or, you know, you won't be interested. And I think actually, you know, you're right. There could be something in there that we could, there could be a mutual interest or different networks or connections. So, yeah, so that, that was a great tip. For me, if you're, for networking internally, like I said before, be intentional with what you want to try and gain. And don't think that no one is accessible. And it may seem that way, you know, when you're a certain level and you've got senior leaders who are, you know, two, three, maybe four levels above you and you think, oh my God, I can't possibly email them. If you're listening to them on a town hall or you've heard them talk on a video or you've read a script of theirs or a blog or whatever, and you think, oh, actually, I saw a really interesting article that they spoke about. Maybe I should share it with them. I don't think there's anything wrong with you dropping them a quick note. If you want to do it via the PA, if you make sure you feel more comfortable, whatever. But they're not going to begrudge you for helping them open their doors to other learning and knowledge, right? So you may not get a response like I did for the first two that I sent, but I persevered. And unless they were going to come to me and say, stop it, <laughs> stop doing that. I was going to continue because how can anyone begrudge you helping them, you know, share some interesting stuff? Mm. And it's just a quick note to say, I read your blog. I found I loved it. I thought it's really good. I've read something similar the other day. Here's a link to it. I thought you might find interesting. That is it, right? You don't have to do anything more than that. And I think it just shows, in my opinion, the interest you've got not only in them, but also the industry that you're in and just gives you that little bit of visibility and platform to, to kind of recognize that. Obviously, don't, I mean, I don't need to say this, but don't like bombard people and spam them with. <laughs> don't become a stalker. That's what exactly. you're saying. <laughs> Don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be yeah, don't be weird. Like, you know, I'm talking about one email a week kind of thing, or one email a month or whatever. I mean, don't go. <laughs> so I know most people vote, but I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in because I don't want anyone to go. And we just said in that podcast to keep emailing. And uh, no, yeah. don't do that. Just be aware. And and like I said, the spreadsheet thing for me worked really mm, well. And because like it, it was a big organization and it was really important to me to manage my stakeholders in the right way because that is part of networking and having that rag scoring you don't need to go as far as rag scoring but <laughs> I just liked it it helped it helped me understand where I was where I was on the scale and it is perception right and that's the other thing so don't mm-hmm. I didn't get them to do a survey on me <laughs> <laughs> can you score me one to five I didn't do that um so that's internally externally I would say I know Trudy said before go with a friend but I'm actually if you do go with a friend I think that's good but be very conscious that you you don't stick to each other like glue right because I've done this like I've gone I mean we've done all three of us oh my god we do this yeah we've done that we do we do this we do it all the time you kind of end up just sitting together because you because you're just with your friend and you want to have a catch up and a laugh. But if you actually are going in to actually network and make connections and meet new people, then you may want to, what you might want to do is split up, like go in, have a bit of a coffee or tea together, but then split up, split sit on different tables and then come together at lunch and have a bit of a chit chat. You know, you could do it that way. But yeah, just be very, be careful about that because it, it's an easy trap to fall into because it's your comfort zone and it's just easy to stay with them. And I actually, what I used to do, because I, I know if, you know, when I first started the networking, I to push myself out the comfort zone. I used to do a little list of three things I had to achieve in that in that room. So I used to be like, I need to talk to a woman who wears glasses. And I've just got really bizarre tips, but it's like I need to talk to a woman just to kind of like. Were you playing? Were you playing be, guess who? It's a bit like guess who. I suppose it was, but for me to to allow myself to, I mean, you won't. Those who, folks who knew me ten years ago, I'm a very different person. To where I am today. Yeah, you are. And it did take, you know, it did take me a long time to build that confidence to go in and just start a conversation with a random. So I had to kind of have these silly things, like a guessing thing, like, right, gonna, as long as I can speak to a woman with glasses on, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna speak to a bloke who's got a grey jacket. And I had to do that in my mind. And I may not have, you know, as long as I did those three things, I was happy with myself. And that's how I did it. And obviously that changed as time went on, but you have to find what works for you. And if you are uncomfortable, then have a goal. Have a goal, you know, like it may not be as ridiculous as mine as like guess who thing, but you might want to be like, I'm going to speak to at least three people who don't work in the same company as me or, or a different industry to me. I'm going to make a bit of a, and I'm going to make sure that I link in with them straight after 
and send them a note of thanks to say it was great to meet with you. And if you're ever around my end of town or whatever, then let's catch up with coffee and carry on the conversation we had in the room. Make sure you follow follow through with that kind of conversation on LinkedIn as well mm-hmm. or Twitter, because you can do that with social. And we, we don't do that very often. And then virtual, again, for me, it's, I think it's really important when you enter a virtual event to share your details like LinkedIn and Twitter and Insta, yeah. what we're using. I think first thing to say, you know, if if we don't get a chance to talk today, because you may not, right? If they don't do breakout rooms and it's a big room, you may not get a chance. The first thing I always do in a virtual room is, hi, my name's Advita and I'm from Manchester and I own a couple of businesses. My my passion is, you know, comms. You can follow more of what I do here at, at you know, LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if anybody ever wants to kind of a chat about some of the stuff I've mentioned, then get in touch. Like, that's all I did. And it encourages others to do the same as well. And I've always kind of got response from that. So people will always drop me a DM on Twitter or LinkedIn to say, oh, I saw you and it'd be great to catch up. The other thing, and I shared this with Jenny, is that if you're presenting at an event, then get the QR code from LinkedIn and Twitter, both have it, and put it on your slides. Because mm. people are more likely to scan the code than they are to search for your name. So if you can, if you give, while you're doing the intro and you've got a QR code on there, just say, oh, if you want to connect with me, just scan this QR code with your camera and you'll connect directly with me. And that has like Jenny experience and I've experienced yeah. it. It triples the connections. Yeah. Um, make it make it easy for people to get to know you, I think. Is make the, it easy. Is it, yeah, is make it thing. access. Yeah. yeah. And on that, you know, just make it easy, but also be very clear on what your boundaries are as well, right? Because yeah. you need to make sure that you you do the things that work for you. But yeah, yeah. those are my tips. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Trudy, anything to add to those? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> So internally, there are a couple of things. So one is about listening, actually, and paying attention in order to be genuine. And I'll mention genuine again, but in order to be quite genuine as you do your networking and reach out to people, listen to what people have to say, because that will give you the fuel to find something that they can connect to later. It's really weird if you just don't listen to what people have said you don't know what they've said and you've just you're rocking up to kind of have a chat with them or build a little relationship and you really don't even know what they talked about or you don't understand what they said and a good opportunity also to ask the question well you know you said this in your in what you said I'd like to know more or I'd like to understand it's it's almost creating an opportunity to network Mm -hmm. so it's like a progressive thing if I listen then I can ask a good question if I can ask a good question I can have a conversation and then the conversation can go further and further and further and and that's I would definitely say internal that's the type of thing you need to do it's like sowing those seeds of building relationship because as Advita said it's a, it can be a long-term thing. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It will take time to build that relationship. Outside, I would say be yourself and make sure that you come across in a very genuine way, but also be very clear about why you're networking and who you need to reach out to. So it's not, it's not overly random. It's not like you're seeking out people for the sake of it. So you can have a meaningful conversation if if you if you attack it from the from the perspective of, you know, I've thought about this. I actually do need to meet with that person. Then you will have something sensible to say to them rather than um, yeah, (laughs) or like I do when I when I used to meet somebody who was very good looking, I move my arms (laughs) like an idiot, you know, um, (laughs) and have nothing relevant to say. Having a bit of thought beforehand. And being clear on what you're trying to achieve by networking really, really will help you externally. And online, uh, a really good one is to arrive early to an event or to a session that you're going to or even to a meeting, because no doubt there'll be most of the time there'll be somebody there setting up and so on. And they are always happy to talk. I know that, you know, the events that I've run online, when people rock up early, I actually start engaging with them and having a chat with them. And if that's something that you can do, sometimes you can even preempt it. And perhaps if it is a meeting, you can actually say to somebody, oh, I'm going to join a couple of minutes early. Is that okay? You know, just to find out if that's the right thing or the, the okay thing to do. And if they have, if they can facilitate a little chat with you beforehand. So it's being proactive in those types of ways, I think really help with the virtual thing. 
I was just, nice. I was just laughing at the uh, be early because I am definitely just in time. Uh, <laughs> I am JIT every you time. Are. I'm, never, I'm not you late, are. but I am JIT. Well, sometimes okay. I can be a few minutes late, but yeah. JIT, like I will never, and it's just weird how different people work, isn't it? Because I'm always a bit like, oh, I'll arrive just on time or just in time in some, in some cases. <laughs> just so, you know, I, I always get a little bit, when it's an empty room or it's a bit quiet, like I always feel that pressure to be the one that's always having to have that conversation. So I'll always wait for a few more folks to come in. So it's funny, but you know, you know what I'm like with trains and getting into place. Yeah, you 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 are ridiculous. You're like lastminute.com Ooh. every time. <laughs> so I've, I suppose my three, not dissimilar, I really like all of yours. I suppose for me, the external one is the whole intentional piece. You know, I'm a big fan of working out where my gaps are for my development and then being intentional with where I'm spending my time. So if I want to do learn more about public affairs, then I can go to a public affairs event and networking will help me learn, but I will spend my time being there and doing that. So I think the external stuff for me is just to echo the, the be intentional. The in-house side of things, if you're working in an organization, the networking there is to say thank you. I think it's underestimated as a practice. And certainly when I've led communication functions, you know, my content comes from everybody that's around me. And I used to do a lot of tins of chocolates at Christmas and saying thank you. And that was a big part of, of our function in our team. And I think that's something that's important when you're looking to build those relationships is don't shy away from, from saying thanks and, and showing a bit of gratitude because it can go a long way. And then the virtual one is probably my least favorite one because I am rubbish at networking at virtual events because I don't really like them. But as someone that teaches online and speaks online and does a lot of stuff online, I would say to have your camera on and be present and, you know, over gesture when somebody is talking. So when I think about the workshop I was on the other day, I was very clear that I was being a bit chatty in the chat and, you know, heavily focused on the screen and nodding along and being responsive because there's nothing worse if you are at an event and people aren't responding to you with very physical cues in a virtual environment makes it quite hard. And I suppose my sort of intention for doing that is that I might stand out a bit more because I was maybe more engaged than some of the other people that were on that call that they could see. So that was important to me to try and make sure that I was kind of recognized. And and I just, as someone that's always on the other side, it's just helpful to have that as well. So Lots of tips in there about networking. Thank you to, you know, thank you to our listeners for suggesting the topic. We always like to yeah, have some suggestions and, um, and we've juggled things around this season to be able to have that flexibility. So always make sure if you've got ideas, things you want us to talk about, you can get in touch with us through our website. So do let us know at carmesrebels.com if there's anything you want us to chat about. And also check out the website anyway. It's got all our podcast episodes on it. It's got details about our comms retreat and details about us as well. So thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy those tips. And I think Advita's probably off to Marks and Spencer's to get another ticket. <laughs> How yeah. did you know? I was literally going, I wonder if I could email the head of PR at Marks and Spencer's if you want to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> That's so extra. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you know what? I am not fussy. I will take, you know, take any anything. of those. Anything. We'll take anything. Yeah. We'll take anything. We'll take anything. If you want us to kind of fashion your clothes, show off the shoes. <laughs> We're, we'll take anything. What's it called? Mm. Gift. We don't need monetary, do we? Like gifting. Just, yeah. Again. <laughs> You're just pimping up, pimping yourself out more than anything. But yeah, I know. I'm pimping, <laughs> pimping us all out. So Marks and Spencer's have comms. Get into it. <laughs> to find out more about us, how to sign up to our comms retreat, or to listen to past episodes, go to calmedgedrebels.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and thanks for listening.